Well, hello and welcome to the New Ground Life and Leadership podcast. And welcome to this, our second of the Leadership Shorts podcast, featuring snippets of conversations with Simon Elliott, who leads the team at Everyday Church in London. The full versions of our conversations are available on our YouTube channel, which I'd heartily really want to recommend to you. They're fantastic. Or on our website, which you can find by going to www.newgroundchurches.org forward slash podcast. Now, today we're going to be going on a bit of a journey together to try to consider and work out exactly what success means and looks like for the Christian leader or someone in ministry. And hopefully by the end of this short podcast, you'll be left with a clearer sense of where you ought to perhaps be directing more of your time and energy as a leader and even how you should be perhaps measuring the effectiveness of your ministry as well. But before we get there to that part of our conversation, we need to first of all talk about identity. And in here, we're sort of carrying on or picking up from where we left off in the first of our Shorts podcast. If you haven't listened to that, you might want to go ahead and download that one and, and come back. But let's acknowledge something that few of us like to think about. And that's this. If you're going to say yes to taking responsibility for something in the church or in ministry or as a Christian in a position of leadership in general, and if you're going to apply yourself to that thing and try to lead well by making decisions, actively making decisions that you think need to be made, here's the truth. You will make mistakes. But failure is meant to be our teacher, not our undertaker. In other words, it doesn't finish us off it sharpens us up. So the question ought to be not, will we make mistakes and will we fail, but how are we to respond when we fail and when we make mistakes so that we can do it well? And here's where we're gonna dive in with what Simon has to say. When you fail, which we all do, you will often either go fight or flight. For all of us, we have these two kind of primeval responses, the fight or flight. So some people, when they fail, will fight. They'll get very defensive. They will charge on to the next thing. They'll ignore the failure and they'll focus on the next hill they're going to take or whatever it is. I'm more of a flight person. So in the natural, my response to failure is not just have I failed, but I am a failure. And that's a huge Huge jump. So the fight, if you're going to fight, very often you'll go, oh, that was a bit of a mistake. It was most of the other people's fault. I'm really good at what I do, charge on. And sometimes that can be really helpful. My natural is to go from, oh, I got that thing wrong. That was a fail. I am a failure. Failures don't deserve to be loved or cherished. Therefore, I'm going to get rejected. So before you can reject me, I'm going to reject myself. I'm going to run for the hills. I'm never going to lead again. I'm never going to speak again. I'm never going to write a blog again. In the natural, you'll tend to go to one or two of the others. What the Word of God helps you do, if you are using it well, you know, jam something into that cycle and stops you. And what I, sometimes I will say to people, I've had to give myself a good talking to. I have to speak truth to myself. I have to be honest. I have to say... That was a mistake. So don't deny it. That was a mistake. 
Did I make that mistake? Yes. Does that mistake define me? Mm. No, it doesn't. What does define me? I'm a child of the living God. I have been saved. Jesus died for me on the cross. My Father in heaven loves me more than I could possibly know. In fact, my Father in heaven loved me before I made that mistake, whilst I was making that mistake, and after I've made that mistake. In fact, my Father in heaven knew before the beginning of time, at one level, I was going to make that mistake, and chose to save me knowing I would make that mistake. Okay, now I'm on solid ground. Now I'm on truth. Now, before we rush on, I just want you to allow that idea to settle in your mind, if you can. I loved Simon's phrase there, I had to give myself a talking to. Where do you have to give yourself a talking to at the moment? In my church recently, we said that upon becoming a Christian, our identity is changed, but then it needs to be claimed. We need to claim our identity. Confess the lie aloud, out loud. Get rid of it. Distance yourself from the thought, the lie, the accusation. Breathe it out. And then, having breathed it out, breathe in the truth. Claim your identity. Believe, declare what God has said about you. Cash in your identity. I don't care who you are or what you're leading in church. This is so important for us. People need to be led by men and women who know who they are in God. Who am I? Thomas Merton, the American monk, once asked. Who am I? I'm the one beloved by Christ. This is the foundation of the true self. Okay, now... Having talked about that, we're going to come on to talk specifically about what leadership in a post-COVID world needs to look like. A world where we're all a lot more aware that things can change overnight. At one level, the advice you give in a post-COVID world is the advice you would always give to leaders. But it becomes, I, I said about COVID, it magnified things. So your weaknesses were magnified. They became bigger. Your strengths were magnified. And I think for lots of us, we found that quite tricky. You know, we, the things we knew we weren't great at, we suddenly thought, gosh, they're really undermining our leadership right now. And the blessing was there were some things we did well that really played into strength. I think you have to keep reminding yourself that you must hold very tightly to God as an individual, not even as a leader. You have to remind yourself that I am a child of the living God. That is my identity. My identity is not my title. My identity is not the number of people I have in my church. My identity is not the number of activities or projects that we run. And that is tricky because we live in a world that honours that, that, that esteems that. So I think all of us who are church leaders have been to conferences and when you meet someone new, within the first 30 seconds they have asked you how big your church is or they've asked you what you do in certain areas. And they don't ask you who you are or your family. That's what they want to know. And we live in this culture that says a good leader has lots of people and lots of stuff going on. And Simon then says that when COVID hit, we had nothing going on almost overnight. So now that we're back, though, we're back in our buildings, we're back having worship services, our programs are back up and running. Have we learned anything from our 
times of leading through COVID as churches? And what should we be doing differently? And so what we must do post-COVID is, yes, of course, we're going to want to gather. Yes, of course, we want our churches to grow because we want more people to know Jesus. Yes, of course, we want to serve our communities. So you want to be running activities and projects. But we must run them sustainably, mm. which probably means doing slightly less, but doing it slightly better. And we must keep reminding ourselves our identity is not in that. Mm. And one of the ways you do that is say, we'll do that for a season. We'll, we'll run that group for six months and then we'll review. It's very hard to put your identity in something that you know is only going to be there for six months. And it's also very helpful for the people to know we're doing this for a period of time and then it might stop or it might carry on, which just protects you on this build, 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 busy, 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 and then boom, mm. everything's gone. I think that's one of the things. And I I think think. We've so we could start by reviewing our programmes more regularly and perhaps also by not running as many or for as long. But how have our priorities been sifted and changed by COVID? I mean, I think before COVID and during COVID, we began to recognise that as church leaders, we have got very focused on events. So Sunday, you know, lots of people, Sunday was match day. <laughs> yeah, everything built to a Sunday. Have I got teams? Is our worship going to look amazing? Have I prepared the perfect sermon? Is mm. our welcome great? Is our language perfect? Do we welcome the seeker and the, and the church member well? And, and there's nothing wrong in all of that. You want excellence in what you do. Excellence, you know, honours God and, and encourages people. But I think what we've realised is that we are about making disciples. And when we look at what Jesus did, he focused on a few individuals for three years and his goal was that they would mature in him mm. and would then be able to make disciples themselves. I, I think we've learned that again. You know, there's lots of talk about disciple-making movements. I think the church is a disciple-making movement. I think if you're a church and you're not a disciple-making movement, you're not a church. That's what the church exists for. What we're trying to work out now is how do we do that effectively? I think lots of leaders invest too shallowly in too many people. And somehow we need to learn that model of Jesus of investing deep and long into a few and releasing them to do that. And again, that comes down to identity, because if you're meeting with hundreds of people, you can feel like, oh, I'm, I'm doing loads of work and I'm really important, to actually say, well, I'm going to take 12 people and I'm going to invest heavily in them for three years. Lots of people go, well, what, are you, what are you doing? How are you earning your money? You know, And it's trying to balance in our culture doing that with the fact it's really good to meet together, it's good to gather, it's good to worship corporately, it's good to preach the word of God effectively to a... It's, it's efficient, isn't it, to preach a great sermon to 200 people. That's mm. a very efficient way of teaching and to follow that up in, in small groups. So I think it's trying to hold all the good, not getting caught in the good so that becomes our identity, and trying to think, how do we, how do we choose a few and really invest in them. I think mean, that's what I would want to do in this next season of my life. And when I look at my leadership history, the people I've done that with are still flourishing. I think also we need to keep remembering we're dependent on the Holy Spirit. So we can feel like, oh, stuff stopped for two years because of COVID. 
But of course, that is ridiculous because the Holy Spirit was still working on every one of those individuals. We are being transformed from one degree of glory into another. And we have to remember the role we do play and the role we don't play. We are not sanctifying anybody. That's a work of the Holy Spirit. We're not transforming anybody. That's a work of the Holy Spirit. We don't save anybody. That's a work of the Holy mm, Spirit. Mm. And remembering that as a leader is really, really helpful. Remembering what is your responsibility and what is God's responsibility and giving space. There are, I have no doubt there are people who grew hugely in God when there were no Sunday morning meetings. Mm. Because actually... They had to dig into the word of God themselves. They had to pray themselves. They had to work as a family or a friendship group themselves. Where maybe they got a bit too dependent on the platform leader, they had to work it out themselves. And do you know what? God has, God has done stuff in those, in those people. Really good stuff there from Simon. Now, we then went on to talk about the kind of the crux of the matter. Like, how, how do we measure, though? How do we know if we're winning in church life? And that's when we asked the question... How do we know if the kingdom's coming through our ministry or through the ministry of our church? Here's what he had to say. So I think the kingdom of God is about salvation, it's about sanctification, it's about signs and wonders, and it's about social action. And although they, they work in a kind of, they rotate, they feed into one another, it's not linear, yeah? they're all going all of the time, you start with salvation. God broke into the world to deal with our sin because he loves us, because he wants relationship with us, and he wants to save us into relationship, and he wants to heal us from the brokenness of the world. That is salvation. We know that save and heal, same word, God mm. is doing both in us. That, that is at one level, step one. You keep coming back to it because we are saved, we're being saved, and we will be saved. That's what's going on. God saves us for relationship with him and to become the people we were created to be in the garden, it was very good. We, we, we lived in perfection and we were perfected. We, there was no sin. And that's still how we're designed. We're designed not to sin. We're designed for holiness and humility. And sanctification is the process by which we are made holy. And when the bits are being knocked off us to make us look more like Jesus, boy, are we humbled. Mm. So, so you go salvation, you go sanctification. Now, if you get stuck there, you get very inward-looking, it gets very cliquey, it gets very ghettoed. And so what we see in Jesus is he had this perfect relationship. He didn't need saving. He had this perfect relationship. He was beautifully sanctified, which made him incredibly attractive, which then opened up signs and wonders and social action. Jesus walked into the room. Those who were broken were attracted to him. And whereas historically, when that which was damaged touched that which was pure, the, the pure thing became impure... In Christ, when the pure touches the impure, the impure gets pure. Mm. And that's the calling on the church. We are meant to bring signs and wonders. We're meant to bring the presence of God, not because we're amazing, but because God is amazing. And we believe that Jesus can do now everything he did then because he's as alive today now as he was then. And the spirit of Christ abides in us. This is a work of the spirit. So the kingdom is about salvation. It's about sanctification. It's about signs and wonders. And if it stops there, it gets very kind of spiritual. What, what Jesus did was uh, on the way, he's constantly bringing people from the edge. He's constantly challenging injustice. 
And he turns over the tables in the temple. Why? Because people are making money off people who are poor. Mm. And, and Jesus is going, no, come on, you are included, you are included, you are Come down from your tree. Let me meet you at the well. Let me lift you off your mat. Let me touch you though you're a leper. Let me talk to you even though you're a woman. You know, let draw, 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 because Jesus wants to transform the social society, the society we live in. He wants to bring justice and, and judgment. And that's the call on the church. Mm. That's, the call, that's the call on the individual to be thinking, right, I'm saved, fantastic. Is Jesus, am I getting more like Jesus? Mm. Am I moving out in the power of God? Am I looking for justice in every... Am I fighting for justice in my workplace, in my school, in my college, in my, in my society, in my neighbourhood? Am I standing up for the poor? That, that's what we're called to do. Mm. And therefore, you know, in terms of how are we doing, you have to ask the question... Are we doing that stuff? Now, it's easy to go, are we being successful? But we have to remember that we're not responsible for success. We're responsible for obedience. Mm. So is my, is my evangelism being successful? We could say, well, if I'm seeing a, somebody get saved every week, I'm a successful evangelist. But actually, I have no control over someone else's heart. Yeah? My neighbour could have a dream tomorrow and, and meet Jesus and knock on my door and say, what must I do to be saved? I might never have talked to him about Jesus. And I could, oh, yeah, my evangelism's been successful. We have to remember, no, it's about obedience. It's about faithfulness. Am I seeking to share my faith? Am I taking some risks in terms of prayer? Am I managing my money to try and give to the poor? Am I writing letters, you know, do whatever I need to do mm. to fight for fight for justice? Am I being accountable to a few people so I, I'm getting some of those bits of me knocked off? Am I being obedient? If I look at my life and then look at the church that I'm leading and say, are we being obedient and faithful? That should be how we judge success. Mm. Our goal should be around those things, things that are in our control. Now our hope is we see the fruit of the kingdom. We see salvation and we see sanctification and we see a breakout of power and we see justice. But really, if you make the, if you make the fruit your KPIs, to use management plan, you're always going to be disappointed mm. and you're always going to be driven because mm. you're trying to make happen what only God can do. But if you say our, our KPIs are, are we being faithful? Are we giving room for the Holy Spirit in our meetings? Are we, are we remembering the poor? Are we regularly preaching the gospel and equipping one another to preach the gospel? Are we creating a culture of accountability and honesty and humility and authenticity? Okay, that's a successful church. Mm. Sometimes that church will go from 50 to 5,000 in a year and you'll get asked to speak at a conference. <laughs> Sometimes it'll go from 50 to 40 in a year and you won't. Mm. But actually you might still be just as faithful because Jesus says, I'll build my church and tells us to seek the kingdom. Mm, beautiful. In my experience as Christians, we rarely pause for long and allow ourselves to rest for long in the pleasure of our Father about what we're doing. Many of you out there listening work faithfully, tirelessly and energetically in your church or in ministry and many of you run hard after seeking the kingdom's advance in your workplaces. And now after hearing Simon's encouragement today, I think you should take some time right now to allow God to speak to you and for you to hear him say, well done, you're successful. You know, he has transformed you from an enemy 
or an ambivalent one towards God into being a friend and a co-labourer of his in the kingdom. Sometimes as Christians, we are a lot harder. I would say often as Christians, we are a lot harder on ourselves than our father is. You know, we're so often very aware of our lack, of our church's lack, of our weaknesses, of our imperfections, of our dysfunctions, you name it. But we're often so aware of those things that we actually need to take some time to stop, to rest, to breathe, and to breathe in two things. One, as we heard at the beginning, breathe in the identity that God the Father speaks over us, beloved. And two, breathe in the reality that you're successful, you're faithful as a disciple and as a leader. Allow God to say, well done to you today. Now here's one final thought before we finish. Those signs of the kingdom, as Simon called them, salvation, signs and wonders, social action and sanctification. Now when we stop chasing other agendas for our lives, when we stop or repent, as Jesus would say, and when we start instead changing the way that we live and our habits in order to pursue those things, here's the thing. We find that it's here, in this space, that we experience deep joy and satisfaction, both as human beings and as disciples of Jesus, because it's here that we learn to live with and be in dependency upon God. We find our rest in him. And we get to work from favour, not for favour. It's this that God created us for in the first place. And it's this that is the very thing that fuels our joy. Well, I hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's episode as much as I know I did when I spoke to Simon in the first place. In our next Shorts conversation, we're going to be getting much more practical and looking at some specific tools in leadership, such as how to lead meetings well, which meetings to have in your church organisation, and also how to pastor effectively. So I'm looking forward to bringing those to you soon and to having you with us. For now, that's it from me, from Simon. Goodbye. Thanks again for listening. God bless you. Every